0: Good morning, welcome to Cornerstone Church, kind of caught me off guard there, how are you guys doing? So glad to see you this morning, man, we've got a lot to be thankful for today, and I want to be to say thanks to the Santan campus and the Scottsdale campus for joining with us this morning, as well as everyone at the 5 p.m. and at Cornerstone Online, we're excited to be here because you know what, God's alive, we're thankful for that, have you had a great Thanksgiving weekend, have you? Come on, man, we are ready to go. My name is uh, Scott Rogers and we, uh, my wife and I, Shelley, live in Northern California. We have two awesome kids. We have three kids. Their names are Ashley, Morgan, and Dylan. You caught that, didn't you? They're all awesome. And I'm just so excited to be here again. I want to thank Pastor Lynn for inviting me to come on out. And I heard that he's like in East Africa or something right now. So we're going to party up and we're going to get down today because the boss is out of the house. Are you ready to do that? We'll let everybody else clean it on up. It's the holidays, man. It's time to have some fun. We crossed the starting line. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays and all that kind of stuff, right? We love the holidays. It's so cool. Of course, for us... Uh, folks who, who follow Christ and are Christians, it's all about the birth of Jesus, our Savior. That's what it's all about. But with that, we get a whole bunch of kind of stuff culturally wrapped around the whole reality of who Christ is. And it's what we have here in the American experience of the holidays. There's a lot to like about the holidays, if you ask me. I love all the food. I mean, look at me. Love the food. It's out of control. I love all of the parties and getting together, you know, the company parties and the family stuff and the friends and all that. It's it's great, man. I, I dig it. But there's also, there's a downside to the holidays. And that is it can be kind of stressful. There's some challenges that come with the holidays. Those same family members, those same company parties, that same schedule that gets a little bit hectic can get out of control. For me, one of the challenges, a completely first world challenge for me is even trying to shop at the mall. Some of the ladies are like, "Woo! Heaven, the kingdom of God has come. Let's go to the mall, right?" Well, just know this, ladies, that in the floor, I'm certain this is true. In the floor of the mall, they have built-in magnets. When a man steps onto the floor of the mall, it drains his soul of all energy. Right, guys? It just happens. You're hanging out. You're going to the mall. And you step on it. Oh, I'm going to think I'm going to die. But the lady's coming to life. But the thing about the mall and shopping during the Christmas season, the one thing that always gets me is trying to find a parking spot. Have you ever been there? You're driving around. Every parking spot is full. You feel like you're a vulture circling around waiting for the carcass to appear. And then all of a sudden you see it off in the distance. Hope surges up. You're like, there it is. I see it. It's an open spot. And you, then you see by that, it's another car coming down, and they're going to turn, they're going to do that blinker thing, right? My blinker was on before your blinker, I'm getting in there. So you, you disregard the four-year-old and five-year-old kids walking along the path, and you speed up, and you go towards that parking spot, and you get there, and you turn in, and what's there? It's one of those stupid smart cars, man, <laughs> right? You can't even see it until you're halfway in the spot. Oh, come on! It's just the stress of the holidays. I mean, there's a big upside. But the downside can be the challenge of the stress. And I want to have some fun talking about a pretty serious topic today. And just taking a look at how to have a happier holiday. But bigger than that, how to take a biblical approach to anger management. You guys happy to talk about anger today? Is that right? So anger, it's one of those issues. You ever have that? Someone walks up to you, they, they, they either love you enough or they don't care enough and they tell you the truth. They say, bro, you got some issues. Anybody anybody say that to you? And often, one of those things that people can look at is our anger and how we express our anger. But what's interesting about the issue of anger is that when we look into Scripture, we quickly realize that anger is not the issue. The issue is what we do with our anger. That's the issue. If you have a Bible, open it up to Ephesians chapter 4. And if it's on your smartphone or on paper, whatever it is, take a look at it. And if you don't have one, we're going to have the text on the screen. But I encourage you to get into the word yourself and take a look and find it. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. Here's what God's word says. It says, don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Did you catch that? Do you notice it didn't say, don't sin by being angry? It doesn't say that. It says, don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. I think God is telling us something here where he says, hey, anger is part of the human experience. You're going to have it, but the key is don't let it gain control over you because it's really a symptom to something deeper in our heart. Don't let anger gain control over you. It goes on. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. I'm sure there's probably more to the original intent of what God's saying here, but I think just on the surface I look at it and I say, I think he's telling us deal with it. Don't let our anger fester. Don't get, take care of it before the sun goes down, before you go to bed as much as you possibly can. Because we know that, that anger building up and building up and building up until one day you go postal and there's some big problems, right? Take care of it when you can. Don't let the sun go down. And then it goes on and it says this. Here's the kicker for me. For anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. That's interesting. Scripture says literally tells us that when we allow anger to be uncontrolled and unrestrained in our life, we are giving Satan like a foothold, a launching pad, a grip on our life when we don't gain control over it. That's a big deal. That's some important stuff. So what do we do with this anger? Because the reality is in my own life, I've experienced this. If I don't gain control of my anger... It becomes a destructive force in our life. Several years ago, we lived in uh, the Oklahoma City area of Oklahoma in a great little community called Edmonds. And when we moved there, I wasn't really uh, concerned about, man, am I going to start wearing a cowboy hat and and begin my sentences with y'all? I wasn't as much concerned about that, but I was scared to death that I was voluntarily moving into Tornado Alley on purpose. On purpose. Now, I'd watched Twister three times, and it scares me. That is just a crazy movie, and I'd watch all the documentaries on the Weather Channel about the tornadoes. It's gravitated to them, and so I was really scared about, man, tornadoes, and I would meet people and say, hey, hi, my name is Scott. Yeah, oh, nice, what's your, I don't know your name, but have you lived through a tornado, or have you experienced a tornado? I was just paranoid, and we'd been there for a couple months, and I was with a friend one time. We're riding around in his car, and we got to the tornado conversation. And I said, Kevin, have you ever had a tornado here? And he says, Scott, we've lived in this very neighborhood for 13 years. And we've never experienced a tornado. You know where I'm going now, don't you? (laughs) About a month later, it's in storm season. It's in the spring, tornado season. And there was the forecast of a day coming where there was going to be a lot of potential tornadic activity. And that day there certainly was to the west, in the western part of the state, there's touchdowns going on all day long. And I'm not talking about those touchdowns that Oakland Raider fans don't know about. I'm talking about a tornado (laughs) touchdown in the western part of the state. That stuff's going on. And what's interesting about tornadoes is that almost always they travel from the southwest to the northeast. And they were all happening to our southwest. And the day progressed, the storms kept moving and they in and out. And finally, it seemed to dissipate in the evening, nothing big was going on, and so Shelly went to bed, our kids went to bed, and about 11 o'clock I finally turned the weather report off, I go to sleep, and I'm woke, I wake up about an hour later, just after midnight, to our house being pelted with hail. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I know how tornadoes work. On the front side of the storm, there's often hail. So I go run over the TV, turn it on, and the forecasters are talking about tornadoes coming into the area. And if you're in this area, you want to take immediate shelter. And they finally get to the place. They say, a funnel plot is developing, and it looks like it's dropping down near the corner of May and Penn. And right when he says that, literally, I'm telling you the truth, the sirens go off. I'm like, oh my gosh. And May and Penn was exactly one mile to our southwest. We are right in the trajectory of this tornado. And so I'm being, you know, I love Jesus. I know I'm going to heaven someday. I got that all taken care of by his grace. I'm the man of the household. I'm the strength of the house. I'm the strong one. So what do I do in that moment? I almost peed my pants is what I did. I was scared to death. I run in the bedroom. Shelly, get up. There's a tornado coming. We're all going to die. And let's just, let's get everybody together. At least hold one another when it happens. So we get the kids up, kind of carry them into the the master bedroom closet. We get in the closet and it's the, the, the sleet is still going. The hail is coming down. The power is now out and it's raining like crazy. And we're in there and the kids are like, Dad, is this, are we going to, are we going to live? Is this going to be okay? I'm like, Oh, yeah, it's going to be okay. I mean, I'm faking it the whole way through, right? It's going to be just fine. And all of a sudden it stops. Complete silence. Our kids look at us. Like, Dad, is that it? Shelly says, is, is that all there is? And I said, I, I don't know. Let me go take a look. Ashley says, well, can I go to the bathroom? like, sure, go to the bathroom. We're in the master bedroom closet. This is the master bath. She goes right around in the bathroom. I walk out. You guys stay here. I go out into the kitchen. I walk up to a big picture window by the dining table. And I'm looking out. I don't see anything, right? Because it's pitch black at night. It's about midnight. I don't see anything. And as I'm looking out the window... The house begins to go, and I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? I run back into the into the closet. I pass Ashley in the bathroom, and I'm like, every man to themselves, man, take cover. This is going to take us out. And she comes out. We all get in the closet, and I swear to you, this is the truth. We sit there. The house is shaking, and it sounds like a freight train goes right by the house. It's like, I mean, that's the best way I can say what it sounded like. And we're all like looking at it. We didn't talk in that moment because it was like, oh. And then then it just stops again. Silent. Kids look. Was that it? I said, I don't know. Let me go take a look. So I go back out into the kitchen, look out that same window. And something was different when I looked out. I saw flashlights kind of going like this. My first thought was how'd they get out before I did? But then my second thought was, hold on. I I shouldn't see my neighbor's flashlights because we had a nice big fence back there. We shouldn't see anything. And the tornado had come through our neighborhood, tore up some roofs, tore out our fence. Like four by four posts were sheared off like about an inch above the ground. And it was amazing. Down the street, just blew right through a roof, told told the house, took it right off the, the, the roof, right off the house. I think it was probably like a, Maybe an F2, probably an F1, though. And the interesting thing is how they rate those things. You Do ever, you ever learn how they, it's called the Fujita scale? And they rate them not necessarily based on wind speed, but on the level of destruction that's left behind. True. Look it up. It's crazy. F1, you know, going to peel off some tile off the roof, some shingles, maybe some siding on the house. Tip a few things over, 75, 100-mile-an-hour winds. F2, it's going to start doing moving cars and doing some damage, blowing out windows. F3, it's taking the roof off the house. It's starting to throw cars around. F4 completely destroys a well-built house. Cars are now missiles. And an F5, is it does all that, but there's nothing left behind. Completely wipes it out. I wonder what would happen if we were to put a F rating on our anger. Because I think when we let our anger go unrestrained, if we were to stop long enough to look around our life, we sadly might see a path of destruction that we're leaving behind because of that anger. Oh, and F1's a little complaining, a little sarcasm, a little bit of this. It kind of nettles with things. But then you get all the way up to F3, man. It's all out. I'm attacking your human value. I'm accusing you of things. I'm taking out your character. And we're just using choice words very loudly. And we're constantly grinding. And F4 is like it's destroying the relationship. And then F5 is we just have no restraint on our anger. And we look around and no one's even there anymore. God says to us, the sobering reality that if we don't learn to deal with our anger we give satan a foothold in our life and i want to share just a few simple ideas and principles from god's word that has helped me because i'm talking from experience i used to wrestle with anger quite a bit and i still get mad but i tell you what i'm a different person today because of what god's done in this issue in my life and if you have your bible in front of you flip it over to proverbs chapter 29 because my thought with you is this, and it's really easy. If you know me, it's always simple. It's always easy. Say this with me. Say, don't be a fool. Come on, Scottsdale. Don't be a fool. Keep your cool. Don't be a fool. Keep your cool. Here's what it says in Proverbs 29, verse 11. A fool gives what? A fool gives full vent to anger, but a wise person quietly holds it back. I wish I could stand here and say, you're looking at one who's always been wise and who's always held back my anger. But I haven't. I have played the fool more times than I'd love to admit. A a fool gives full vents, unrestrained, lets it out. But the wise person, they quietly hold it back. There was a, a number of years ago, I was going to work on a Saturday morning. I didn't want to go to work on Who wants to go to work on Saturday morning? It was 7.30 a.m., and we are living in our hometown, Grand Rapids, Michigan. 7.30 a.m., I'm going to work on a Saturday morning. I'm getting in. Guys, you'll, you'll totally relate to this. This is the man's dream car, a total chick magnet, all right? It was a white two-door Ford Escort. That was my car. Awesome car. It had four cylinders, and it had about 15 horsepower. I mean, that was it it was amazing. I get in my little white Ford Escort and I'm heading down Interstate 196 going around the west side of Grand Rapids, Michigan. 730 in the morning, hardly anyone's out. There really isn't any traffic. And in my rearview mirror, I suddenly see someone come right up on my bumper and just stay right there. And I'm thinking, what in the world is he doing? I didn't see his face, but I always assume it's a guy because ladies, you're smarter than that, right? You just don't do that kind of thing. But guys, right, we're a little different. He's right up on my bumper and I'm thinking, what's the deal? Just go around me. There is no traffic out here. What is going on? So I want to let him know that I know that he's doing something he shouldn't be doing. So what does every guy do when someone gets up on your tail? You speak to him through your brake lights, right? I'm tapping the brake lights like, I know you're there. You are stupid. Back off my tail kind of thing, Right? Bam, bam, bam. And they stay right on my bumper. And then by that point, I'm like, okay, this is starting to anger me. What is going on here? Okay, I'll show them. Don't, don't mess with me. So I, <laughs> I push down on the brake. and I hold it down. I slow down, right? Because, of course, they're just going to go around. No, this car slows down with me. I'm down to about 50 miles an hour on the expressway. And that time, I'm just ticked. What is going on? Who is this? masked man who is this villain and suddenly he darts out around me and just blazes right by me and ladies you're thinking well cool it's over with not for a man not on our watch that's not going to happen justice must be served so I take my two-door white Ford Escort and I put the pedal to the floor baby I am gunning it the speedometer went up to 85 miles an hour and I had my foot to the floor and I had the speedometer pegged and I'm flying around Grand Rapids and the car is still pulling away from me. But I didn't, it didn't matter to me because I was fantasizing what I was gonna do when I got to him and I got him to stop. I'm thinking, okay, one is, this is what you, you have to do. You have to get up beside him and see how ugly they are. Is that right? Goes, Who is that? You ever, Oh geez, oh yeah, man, yeah. No wonder you drive like that kind of thing. I want to get beside him, and then when I got up beside him, I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Jason Bourne this guy, man. I'm gonna grind him on the side, bring him up against the concrete wall, and slow him down until he stops. And then all five foot eleven of me, 165s, and get out and whoop on that guy. I have no anger issues, okay. And then it just struck me, Scott, you are a fool. I felt so convicted by God. And what I mean by that is that I knew it was wrong. And on the inside of me was this sense of, stop it. You're behaving like a fool. And then at that moment, I also had this thought that I could spend a lifetime trying to live a God honoring life and in just one moment of unrestrained anger, wipe it all out. One moment. I could have done something stupid, hurt somebody, hurt myself, get arrested, who knows what. And in one moment of anger, you can take decades of a marriage, an unrestrained, an F3 tornado type of anger, come in and just wreck the trust in our relationship and our marriage. As a parent, with the delicate hearts of our kids, One moment of unrestrained anger and lashing out can potentially create years to come of trepidation and fear in our kids' hearts of who we are. One moment. One moment of anger. Don't be a fool. Keep your cool. Don't give our spiritual enemy a foothold in our life. Do not give full vent to it. Be wise and quietly hold it back. But the reality is, if you wrestle with anger, even if you don't, I know that we all get angry at times. So keep this stuff in mind. But if you especially wrestle with anger, which I can make a wild guess and say I'm mostly accurate when I say almost every guy wrestles with anger. Because I know guys. I know me and I know you guys. I talk to guys. Anger's a big issue. So what do we do with that? In one moment, But the reality is, as we're trying to live this thing out and get victory over it, we're going to kind of blow it at times. And so my other thought is, you know, in in addition to don't be a fool and keep it cool, it's simply when you blow it, own it. Own it. Here's what God's word says in James chapter 1. Go there real quick. James chapter 1, if you've got it in front of you, and here's what it says. Verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, be quick to listen and slow to speak. How many of you guys have maybe heard that before? Someone says, hey, you know, the Bible says be quick to listen and slow to speak. Yeah, 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 yeah. Have they ever finished the statement, though? And it goes on to say, and slow to get angry. And here's the kicker again, the last statement. God says to us, your anger can never make things right in God's sight. Wow. I don't like that. Another translation says that our anger never produces the righteous life that God desires. I don't like reading that because it, it literally says it can never make things right. Unrestrained anger can never make things right in God's sight. So let's own it. I know some of the toughest times for me as a husband and as a, as a parent have been owning those moments. There was a season in my life when anger just, it owned me. It controlled me more than I controlled it. And I would verbally lash out at the kids and at Shelly, and every single time I would do that, without any hesitation, I immediately experienced the sense of, Scott, that's wrong. And God was reminding me of this verse, that our anger does not bring about the righteous life that God requires. I immediately felt convicted, but then I had to swallow the humble pill and go apologize. So I'd ask God for forgiveness and then what I would do is I'd g- get the family together. And this is this is hard. This is no fun to do this stuff. Shall I get the kids all together and we'd go into someone's room and sit on the bed or we'd sit on the sofa and kind of huddle up for a minute and I'd just look the kids in the eye and I'd say, guys, I'm, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have behaved that way. What you did and your behavior isn't acceptable, but neither is mine. And I've asked God to forgive me and I want to know if you'll forgive me too. Every time, it's kind of this quiet nod of the head and sometimes a wiping the tear out from under their eye. But you know what that did? Not only did it, did it kind of start to rebuild some of the destructive path that that little episode might have begun or continued, it shut the door on Satan getting a foothold in our life in that area. And God began to restore that relationship through that moment. We've got to own it. But you might be thinking, Scott, but you don't know. You don't know my situation. Scott, you don't know the jerk that I work for. You don't know the one that I'm married to. He who laughs loudest hurts the most. That's what happens for me. I'm picking on you because I genuinely do care. Scott, but you don't know my situation. I don't know your situation. I really don't. But what I do know is that if we never own the fact that we are responsible for our reaction, we will never get control over this issue in our life. We can't, or maybe rarely can we control what goes on around us or comes at us, but we are always accountable to control our response. And that's hard. But we have to own that. We have to own it. Don't be a fool. Let's keep our cool. When we blow it, let's own it. Let's apologize. Let's repent. Ask for forgiveness. Let's own this thing. And my my last thought with you guys is kind of a mathematical equation. Because... Have you ever heard of the cliche, um, let go and let God? Anybody raise your hand. Scottsdale campus saying, yeah, we all heard that kind of cliche. I'm not sure what to do with that. Because I can tell you from experience, that doesn't work when it comes to anger. I'm just going to stick my head in the sand and go on about my way and let God intervene and I'll never get angry again. It doesn't work that way. So I've tried to come up with an equation and basically it's this. When we are trying to get gain control over anger, I would say it's, 49% willpower, it's us, and 51% his power. And here's what I mean. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. It's a partnership going on here with God and each of us. And it says in Galatians 5, in verse 16, the Apostle Paul is writing, he says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So he's telling us that there's this place in our life when we come to surrendering to Christ more and more. We, we're worshiping him. We're in his word. We're renewing our mind with, with God's perspective on everything. We're serving other people. We're, we're intentionally becoming less selfish. And we're drawing near to Christ. Then the spirit of God has more control or influence in our everyday life. And when we give that to him, he enables us to do what we can't do on our own. And that is to put our, our sinful nature down or submitted to the Spirit of God. It's a profound thing. And it, so it takes, I would say, the willpower is that I'm making a decision. I'm making a decision beforehand. When I walk, When I go to the mall, when I walk to the mall, I might get parking quicker if I walk to the mall. But when I go to the mall, I'm going to go with a right expectation. And that expectation is, it may be really hard to find a parking spot. And when it comes to that point, there's no place to park. I'm going to be like, ah, glory to God, all these, you whatever, you know, whatever. I'm not going to go crazy and I'm not going to run everybody over. When I go to the company party for the holidays, I'm going to go in with a right expectation. And if something happens that really frustrates me, I'm going to respond with patience and love, hopefully. And when I go to the family get together and uncle Jethro shows up, everybody's got an uncle Jethro that you see once a year, right? You're to be like, God, I'm not going to let this guy get under my skin. I'm determined to respond with love and compassion this year. That's our part of making the decision beforehand. But the bigger piece is submitting ourselves, spreading ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, enabling us to live this thing out. Here's what he says a few verses down in verse 22 of Galatians 5. But when the Holy Spirit does control our lives... He will produce this kind of fruit in us. You might be familiar with this if you've read your Bible. It says that the Spirit of God produces this in us. It's not that we grit our teeth and we grunt out this kind of uh, fruit in our lives. It's the Spirit of God, when he's given more control, the natural byproduct is this kind of behavior. And it says it's love, it's joy, it's peace and patience, kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And what's the last one? Self-control, yeah. So guys, we're not left on our own with this issue of anger or unrestrained anger. God can enable us and give us strength to get the win over this thing. But we first got to know, he says, don't be the fool. Keep your cool. When you do blow it, own it. Own up to it. Apologize. Maybe you're thinking of some folks today that, you just need to go back and apologize to. I know it's no fun, but that enables God to begin to restore relationships. And when it all comes down to it, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we have an advantage because we have His power available in our life to win over this thing called anger. Let's bow our heads. And let's pray for a minute, Father God. We thank you. Thank you for revealing to us this issue of unrestrained anger. God, thank you that you love us so much that you want to point out our human condition. But, Lord, we know that you don't leave us there, but you instruct us on how to properly deal with it so that it doesn't become a destructive force in our life. And, Lord, we thank you for that. With our heads still bowed and our eyes closed at our Santan Scottsdale campus here in Chandler. Maybe you're sitting here in you're honestly just like me or where I was a number of years ago where anger has more of a control over me than I have over it. And pausing long enough to honestly look around and assess your life, you might see a path of destruction or at least things cracking at the foundation in your life because anger continues to go unrestrained. Today, I want to encourage you to submit that to God. Let him know that you're going to do your part in this process, but you desperately need his part in the process to give you strength over it. And if that's you today and you're sitting at any of our campuses, our heads are about, our eyes are closed, I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you with a moment of humility between you and God, and really just just me, but it has nothing to do with me, but it's saying, God, I I'm, I'm willing to admit this. If you struggle with anger and you need God's help in your life with this particular issue, With our heads bowed, our eyes closed, just raise your hand and say, God, that's me. Hands up all over the place. Of course, it's honest. Father, I pray for every person whose hand is up at all of our campuses, for whose heart goes up, God, we need your help in this. We want this holiday season to be one of joy because we have a lot to celebrate, Lord. And Lord, beyond this, we want to be people of patience and peace and self-control and gentleness. And so, Lord, give us the strength by your spirit to gain control in our life of this issue of anger. And Father God, I thank you that with all this being said, you are not angry at us. You deeply love us. and You care about us enough to get into this detail of our life. So God, I pray for those of us who may be here that don't know you. God, we want to call out on you this year. Help us to know Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, this Christmas season, Lord.